Good morning, and it is nice to have you joining us today. I hope and pray that you've had a wonderful week, and I know that there's a lot of anxiety as families are getting ready to think about going back to school. Our sermon series for the fall is going to be on facing anxiety and how the Bible teaches us to face those things that give us anxiety in our life, and we will be calling it Anxious No More. So we hope that as you think about the things that are happening in your life and the things that are happening in the world, how do we turn to God's Word to give us that peace and that comfort? We take an opportunity to have you um, make your donations to God through Faith Community Church. We thank you for your contributions to our ministry and for your faithful contributing to our church. If you wish to know the easiest way to make a contribution, you can go to our website, faithcommunityma.com, and there is a Donate Now button. You can use that to either make a one-time gift or to make it a recurring gift where it says... Um, one-time gift, click on it, and there's other options. Or you can always text to 508-744-3420. You text any amount, with or without the dollar sign, it doesn't matter, and it will prompt you on how to put in your credit card, debit card, or banking information. We thank you for all of your faithful giving and for the opportunity for us as a church to continue to be faithful in ministry in our community. We had the wonderful news that we received $11,000 in donations that went to purchase Chromebooks for children in, who are going back to school who would not otherwise be able to afford them. And thank you also for your amazing contributions to that in your faithful giving. We also take time to lift up the prayer concerns of our church. And so as we pause for our time in prayer, if you are following on Facebook in particular, there's a place there to make comments. We simply ask you to put the names in the comment bar there, and um, we will be praying. We go back and we look at all the names that come in, and we make sure that we have prayers individually also for each of the names that are given to us. So let us bow our heads and hearts together. Gracious and loving Heavenly Father, we thank you for your goodness, your kindness, and your work in our lives. We thank you that in a time in which there is a lot of uncertainty, that there is one thing that is certain, and that is your faithfulness. In a time in which we can get preoccupied with what we don't have or what we've lost, keep us focused on what you are doing and the work that you're doing in our life and in our world. We lift up so many concerns of loved ones. We pray this day for Tom Hislop, who has been in the hospital and is home. We thank you for your faithfulness to him. We pray for Frank Gould, who's also been in the hospital. We thank you for your faithfulness in his life and pray for healing. We thank you for all the ways in which you work in the lives of our loved ones. We have family members that are going through tough times. We pray for healing. We pray, pray for comfort and for peace, and we ask that each of us would be your solution in our world. We also pray for a divided world. We think that's particularly as we enter into this whole political season and the ways in which people can be in their tone and in their rhetoric, anything other than kind and loving. Help us to watch what we say and to be people who build bridges and to listen to one another. May your Holy Spirit work in our hearts so we could be attuned to what you would have us to do and say. And today, as we open your scriptures, speak to us once again, so we would hear your word and know your word for us today. And all of these are prayers. We pray in the name of Jesus, who taught us in our prayers to say, 
Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses, that we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. I do welcome you to worship this morning, and if you have a Bible that you have with you at home, I invite you to turn to Acts chapter 10. We will be looking at verses 9 through, actually through probably verse 19. It's the story of Peter's vision and a transformation or breakthrough that God did in his life. And of course, we all know Peter as that wonderful person who was a follower of Jesus who made so many mistakes in his life but was always able to recoup from them and God continued to do new things with him. The text begins with verse 9, where it says, The next day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on the housetop about the sixth hour to pray. And he became hungry and wanted something to eat, but while they were preparing it, he fell into a trance. He saw the heavens open and something like a great sheet descending, being let down by its four corners upon the earth. In it were all kinds of animals and reptiles and birds of the air. And there came to him a voice and said, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. Peter said, By no means, Lord, for I have never eaten anything that is common or unclean. And then the voice came to him again a second time, What God has made clean, do not call common. Now this happened three times. And the thing was taken up at once to heaven. Now, Peter was inwardly perplexed as to what the vision that he had seen might mean. Behold, the men who were sent by Cornelius, having made inquiry of Simon's house, stood at the gate. And then in verse 19 we read, when Peter was pondering the vision of the Spirit, the Spirit said to him, Behold, three men are looking for you. Yes, Peter is a person that many of us identify in the New Testament for that. He's a wonderful guy because he is completely imperfect and he messes up all over the place. And for those of us who mess up in our lives, he's sort of our patron saint. The thing you can always say about Peter is he's always in the middle of the action, so he's always somebody who takes a risk. So if you look at like the time in which Jesus has been arrested, Peter's there, but of course Peter denies Jesus. Another time, you know, we find Peter when there's the transfiguration. Peter jumps up and immediately thinks that he needs to do something. And once again, Jesus has to correct him. And so in a lot of ways, he becomes like you and me. Where if we're honest with ourselves, we see the mistakes that we make. We understand the, the times in which we just don't get it right. And then we look at someone like Peter, and we say, well, if Peter could be one of the disciples that Jesus chose, and one of the early apostles that gets sent out to transform the world with the gospel message, there must be hope for us, because we're just kind of doing the same way, whether it be as parents or as friends or as workers, we just make those errors in our life. And we have to acknowledge the fact that we are, as we like to say around here, perfectly imperfect. But the thing is about Peter is he was a growing Christian. He was open to change and transformation. And that's really what this morning's message we're going to be talking about 
is how we have those breakthroughs in our life, kind of like Peter has in our story today. You see, as much as Peter was making his mistakes and having grace and forgiveness and correction on the, along the way, he also had these moments where God did an amazing breakthrough. And in our lives, that's what we need. We need those moments where we have a breakthrough, because that's what happens. I think a lot of people try to make life sort of this progressive thing like that, and it really isn't. It's not just a slow, steady ascent into a better life. A lot of times, life just kind of goes along, and maybe it's got its ups and downs, and it's almost like we take a step up, and sort of we're at a new level, and then maybe we'll take another step up. And those are those breakthroughs, those moments in our life when something happens that God works in our hearts, God works in our minds, God works in us, and all of a sudden, maybe we see something for a different way. Maybe we sense God's calling and make an adjustment in our life, but they literally are breakthroughs. And that's what God was doing with Peter. You see, up until the story in Acts chapter 10, in order to come into the Christian faith, you needed to be Jewish. The Christian faith, it's hard for us to imagine that today, but it was a sect within the Jewish religion. And so the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ had taken place, and within Judaism there was a sect of people who met together who were Christ followers, and they were calling people into this relationship with Jesus. But in terms of what to do with the rest of the world, there really wasn't a plan or a, a way in which others could come into this faith. And that became problematic because today when we think about the church and we think about God's family, we understand that it's all-encompassing. We get that concept. God's love is for everyone, and, and Christ's church is open to absolutely everybody, and we are all children of God. But that's not the way that people would have viewed it in the first century. They would have seen themselves as a particular small sect within a religion, and there were all of these fences or gates that people had to go through before they could get into the faith. And now there's a guy that we read about earlier in Acts chapter 10. His name is Cornelius. And Cornelius was a Roman centurion, so that complicates the story even more. What's taking place here is Palestine is being occupied by Romans. The Romans were not Jewish. The people in Palestine were. The Christian sect has started within Judaism, and now somebody from the Roman guard wants to become a follower of Christ, and you can imagine the problem that that would have caused. Think about it today. If we were occupied by another country, and their troops were in Plymouth here. Imagine I walk out of, out of worship this morning, and there are troops from another country that are here occupying our country, we wouldn't feel too fond towards those individuals, would we? Let's be honest. We'd have problems with the fact that it was taking place, but it would get personal towards individuals. No matter how good or bad a particular individual were, it would still, they would get lumped into the hole of how we would look at it. And that's what was happening in the first century. So now this guy Cornelius, who's part of the Roman guard, wants to be a follower of Christ, and there's really no place for him because there's no way in which that can take place. It's a long computer, what we read about today. And literally what we heard in that story that I read is a complete transformation in which the entire direction of the Christian faith changed, all because Peter has a breakthrough. Think about that. 
Peter himself has an amazing breakthrough in his life, and he sees the world from a different perspective, and he's able to share that with others, and it completely changes the trajectory of human history. Now, I don't know about you, and I don't know about me, but I know that God wants us to have breakthroughs. I don't know that our breakthroughs are going to change the world that much. They may. They could. There could be something that God wants to do in your life that will completely change the course of human history, but more often... It's just for us and for our family and for our purpose and how we live our lives. And it can be incredibly important, the breakthroughs that God does in our life. But the question really becomes, are we open to those breakthroughs? Are we open the way Peter was? And I was thinking about this text and about this message, and I had my entire sermon written. And I did what I often do on a Saturday morning. Yesterday, I got up, and it was a beautiful day, and I went out for a run. And this is the time of year where my running increases because the weather's not quite as hot as it has been in the months before. And I was out on a five-mile run, and I had a mini breakthrough. I all of a sudden realized that the story that we were talking about reminded me of, and I'm bringing it up here, a banana. The story of Peter and Cornelius all of a sudden reminded me of a banana. And I'd like to talk about that, so I guess we could call this having a breakthrough, a spiritual breakthrough, lessons from a banana, but it really goes back to the biblical text. And so I'd like to tell you why that happened. Because as I was thinking about this message, and I was thinking about what happened in Peter's life, and how God did something amazing, I realize it all begins with what's inside. What's inside? Because we become like a banana. We dress ourselves up on the outside, and we look really great. You see that? We're just like this perfect little banana up here. We get ourselves all freshed up. We take a shower. We dress in the best clothes. We put the best foot forward. We smile, and we become just perfect on the outside. And nobody knows what's going on inside of us. No way to see inside of another person. And in fact, here's the truth. Only you can see inside of you, and God can see inside of you. And so, in order to have a breakthrough, we need to understand what's inside. And we need to look at ourselves and ask that question, what's inside? What are my values? What is my core? How am I living, and how am I making my decision? We're told in our text that Peter went up on the housetop about the sixth hour to pray. So that gives us a clue of what's going on inside of Peter's life. We see that he is a person who is prayerful. He talked to God. That was an important part of his life. He wasn't just living from experience to experience and toughing through life. He was a person who was seeking God in his everyday life. And it, the clue is there into the fact that it says it was in the sixth hour. The sixth hour was noon, and that wasn't a common time for people within the Jewish religion to go to pray. It wasn't one of the predetermined times in the day in which a person would go offer the prayers. But here's Peter, the prayerful person. Inwardly, he loved God. Inwardly, he was seeking God. Didn't matter what people saw on the outside. Didn't matter if that day he woke up and he was a smelly fisherman and forgot to take a shower. Inwardly, he was letting God do his work. Yes, no one can see what's inside you and me. But God knows. What's in your core? What's in my core? Are we living lives of faith? 
we trusting God? Are we seeking God? Are we turning things over to God? Are we allowing ourselves to bathe the situations we have with prayer? And this is really where I saw the parallel with bananas because something had happened to me earlier in the week. I picked up a banana, and I was at home, and I was going to eat the banana, and Regina was holding our granddaughter, Ruby. And Regina said, you know, Ruby loves bananas. And so I did what my mother taught me to do. I opened the banana. I, my mom told me that monkeys are smarter than human beings because humans open the bananas this way, but monkeys didn't realize they just open the banana this way. It's much easier. And then you get the cool little handle that so I opened my banana like that, and I picked up Ruby, and I thought of giving her a bite, and then I remembered something my brother told me one time. He said, never bite into a banana. There could be a worm in it. And the time that my brother told me that, I said to him, well, why do you say that? And he said, you should always break the banana and see what's inside. So he literally broke the banana. Now, this is a nice banana, no worm in it. He broke the banana, and guess what? There was a worm in that banana that day. So it always stuck with me. So now I'm about to feed the banana to Ruby, and I remembered I never bite into banana, so I wasn't going to let her do it. So I broke into the banana, and guess what was in the middle of my banana? A nice worm. It was all black inside. You couldn't see it from the outside. And had I not found out what was inside the banana, I would have fed my granddaughter a worm, which my son and daughter were very happy I didn't, and I didn't. But you get the point. On the outside of the banana, you can't tell what's on the inside. On the outside of Peter's life, you could not tell what's on the inside. The way we get the clue of what's inside Peter is the fact that Peter's a guy who's seeking God and he's praying. And though the question of what's inside you is a question for you, it's not for your pastor to answer, and it's not for your neighbor to answer, and it's not for you and me to answer about someone else, but it's for us to introspectively look at our life and say, if we're looking for breakthroughs in our life, if we're looking to go to new levels in our life, if we're looking for God to do something new, are we seeking God and praying? Are we just expecting it to happen out there and not thinking we have any responsibility? John Wesley, founder of Methodism, had a lot to say about this, and he got very concerned because he started realizing that the early Methodists were expecting that God would simply change their life, and they didn't need to do any work themselves, and he made it very clear, and I've been spending a lot of time with my good friend John Wesley over COVID-19, and Wesley made it very clear in his preaching and in his teaching that, yes, God will change us, but then we have legwork to do. We call that sanctification. God will change us. Grace will forgive you. But then it's important for us to seek God, to pray, to read the scripture, to be involved with the small group, to be doing acts of love and kindness, to take those attitudes that are negative attitudes that we know are inside of us and learn to set them aside and focus on something else. What's inside makes all the difference. And the reason that God was able to have this great breakthrough with Peter is because of what's inside. But the second thing about what's inside is the second part of having some kind of a breakthrough, the way that Peter had a breakthrough, is to look at what do we eat? What do we eat? A banana is a very healthy snack. Good thing to eat. Our son Todd was in a running program up in Boston, and Fred Tressler, who is a coach who 
coach the Olympic runners used to tell the kids, when you're done with the run, eat a banana. It's the best thing you can eat. Have a little peanut butter in the banana, and you really got just a perfect post-exercise snack. But you know what happens? If we fill ourselves up with junk food, we're not going to eat that luscious banana. Remember what our moms taught us? Eat your fruits and vegetables. That means eat your fruits and vegetables before you have the Doritos, the Coca-Cola, and the M&Ms. Because if you have the Doritos, Coke, and M&Ms, you're not going to want the fruits and vegetables. If I eat spiritual junk food, the same thing is true. If I fill my mind up with all of the negative garbage of the society we live in, and then wonder why God's not doing a breakthrough in my life, I don't need to look any further than what I'm focusing on myself. We live with a 24-hour news cycle. You can fill your mind with as much divisive rhetoric as you want. Just start turning it on constantly. You can focus on social media. You can just listen to all kinds of negative things that are going to be tearing you and me down. And I'm not saying there's no place to be informed, and I'm not saying that there's no place for the use of, of social media. But if that's what we feast on, if that becomes our diet, if the best we can do spiritually is say, well, I give myself a break once in a while, and I sit down and I watch a Netflix TV series, and again, nothing wrong with Netflix TV series, but if that's all I'm taking in, then I shouldn't be too surprised if God's not doing something different in my life. What we eat makes all the difference. And it gives you the clue right back in our text because it says here that Peter became hungry and wanted something to eat. And commentaries are very clear that yes, he was physically hungry, but that was also a point to the fact that he was spiritually hungry, that he was constantly seeking God and seeking what God wanted to say to him and do in his life. And that's how we're invited to live our lives. Remember, our hunger is more than physical. It was Jesus himself, and I know Peter would have remembered these words, who said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. What do you hunger for? What do you, what do you devour in your life? Good things? Do you run after something that gives you an opportunity to serve someone else and do a loving, kind act towards someone else and helping a neighbor and feed yourself with that? Or do you and I feed ourselves with negative things? Want a breakthrough? What are you filling your life with? I remember years ago when our, our boys were young and David and Todd were, and David was maybe a fourth grader at the time, and so Todd was probably about two or three. And a friend of mine came to me and he said, I really look at all the time that you spend with your kids, and that's awesome. I wish I could spend time with my kids like that. I wish I had that opportunity. Why, I would give up my Patriots tickets if I could have time like that with my kids. Exactly. What do you, what? If I, if I spend my time going to the Patriots with all of my buddies, I'm probably not going to have much of a relationship with my kids. And I could take my kids to the Patriots and that would be a good thing. Or I could start to realize that if I'm filling myself with an obsession over sports and stuff with my friends and things out there and never having quality time with my family and never having quality time with the things that God cares about in my life, then I need to be careful because I'm not going to be having those breakthroughs that God wants to do in my life. 
And that's what we find with Peter. He's constantly seeking God and seeking the will of God and helping people and reaching out. And every time in the life of Jesus, when Jesus was there and teaching, Peter maybe was getting it wrong, but he was there listening and he was communicating and and he was seeking to be more of a godly person. No wonder he's the person to whom the greatest revelation in the history of religion took place. Think about that. Peter changes the entire course of how we understand faith because prior to Peter, people literally thought that to be in a relationship with God, you had to be from some group of people. And Peter got the concept of, no, God's love and grace is open to absolutely everybody, that it is a world faith. It is a world religion. It is a world relationship with God that every single person, no matter where they come from, no matter what their background, no matter what their color of their skin, the language that they speak, no matter what economic position they came from, all of a sudden on this day, as Peter is asked to eat this stuff that his religious culture tells him is unclean, and he hears the voice that tells him, no, pick it up and eat it, he all of a sudden realizes for the first time that God's grace is for everyone. He couldn't have seen that if he was a negative, cynical person who was simply filling himself with the gossip that was going around Jerusalem. But Peter was feasting on the right stuff. And that's the question for us. What's inside of us, and what do we eat? But then there's one last question for us. What do we ignore? Because as we are seeking God, and as we are seeking God's work in our life, far too many of us miss much of who God is. When we talk as Christians about the Christian faith, we understand that God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We call it Trinity. The problem is, many Christians live their life as if we only have two-thirds of God. We have the Father, who created the world, and we pray our prayers. Oh, gracious God, gracious, loving God, thank you for being present in my life today. Thank you for all the good that we're doing. And we have a concept of, of Jesus. We we get our relationship with Jesus. Savior, thank you for forgiving my sin. Thank you for being with me. Thank you for being my friend. We read the teachings of Jesus and the way he lives his life. And then there's the Holy Spirit, and we just kind of go, oh yeah, and then there's that other part of the Godhead, and we just sort of forget about the whole thing. It's sort of like a banana. I like to ask people, how many parts are there to a banana? And most people will say two. There's the peel, and there's a banana. But that's not what my mother taught me. My mother taught me that a banana is one of the great ways of explaining to children the Trinity. If I take my banana, and I'm going to break it to make sure there's no worm, remember we've got to make sure that before we can eat the thing. I now have my nice lovely banana here. If I put my finger down the center of the banana, you're going to be amazed if you didn't know this before. My banana, like every other banana, breaks into three parts. The banana has three parts. It also is very messy, and that's why I have a towel up here this morning. Banana has three parts, and most people don't know it. And can you imagine breaking apart your banana and throwing away a third of the banana? Nobody would do it. We eat the whole banana, but we do that with the Godhead all the time. 
we take the Father, the Son, and we forget the Holy Spirit. We take the Father, we take the Son, we love our forgiveness, we love the fact that God's in control and God's creator, and we just totally miss what the Holy Spirit wants to do in our life every single day, because the Holy Spirit is where God gets personal for us, where you discover that you're not alone. Every single moment during your darkest days, in your highest highs, the Holy Spirit is there, working in your heart, guiding and directing you. That's what happens to Peter. Three times we're told, there a voice came to Peter. That's the Holy Spirit. A voice came to Peter. He heard something. He saw and heard something that is like, oh my goodness, I've had a breakthrough and I see things different. And then in verse 19, we're told that while Peter was pondering, the Spirit said to him again, Behold, three men are now at your door and knocking for you. So Peter is praying. He's alone. He's hunger. He's thirsting for God. He's thinking about stuff. He has this this concept that God wants him to do something different and that God's love is for absolutely everybody. And all of a sudden at that moment, he's pondering and the Spirit is speaking to him and something happens and Peter doesn't just dismiss it. A guy who happens to be a Roman centurion just happens to show up at his house right as that's taking place. And Peter is open to the Holy Spirit. He ponders and thinks through stuff, and now he looks. The problem with us is we get to that point where something takes place, something happens, and we dismiss it all as a coincidence. Well, isn't that an interesting thing that happened today? I was thinking about doing such and such, and oh my goodness, look at what an amazing coincidence. This just happened to happen, and then we dismiss it, and we give our logical reasons to everything. And we miss the Spirit in our life. We start thinking about something new that we believe God wants us to do, and somebody says something to us and gives us an opportunity, and we just dismiss it. We just kind of squelch the Spirit in our life because... Rather than seeing that God's doing that, and this is the Holy Spirit working, we just shove it aside. I've been thinking over the last year of going back to school, and I've wanted to do what's called the Doctor of Ministry, which is a uh, program that's designed for pastors to be taken during the time that we are pastors to work on something. And I've been thinking about the fact that way back when I first applied to seminary, I was accepted at two seminaries. One was here in New England, it's Gordon Conwell Seminary, and the other one was Asbury. It's a Wesleyan seminary in Kentucky. I made the choice, and so did Regina, 30-some years ago to come to New England, but it's always kind of been in the back of my mind. I'd like to revisit that and maybe someday do something at Asbury. And so I put out some inquiry, and now we're in the middle of COVID-19. So I put out an inquiry, and I thought, okay, probably a year or two from now, I would, I would go back to school in COVID-19. And so the guy from Asbury, who I'd had some communication with, calls me on the phone, and I could have dismissed it as a coincidence, and he said, I don't know if you're interested, but I thought you might be. Because of COVID-19, you no longer have to travel to Kentucky. You can do your entire seminary online, and it saves you a whole bunch of money. And it also makes it a lot easier for you. I thought that might be something, and I realized that's the Holy Spirit speaking. I could dismiss it as a coincidence. I could say, oh, isn't that funny that that happened? 
But I said, no, much the opposite. Because you see, when we constantly dismiss the things that God's doing and the nudgings and the urgings, and then we ask, why is God not doing a breakthrough in our life? It's we ourselves who are squelching the Spirit. I know because a number of years ago, I was a pastor in Lowell, and I used to drive up to Pelham, New Hampshire, to Purity Supreme, because there was a grocery store there that I used to like to go to. And I probably this day, like so many other days, was going to maybe get eggs and milk. It was a few miles away. And frequently, when I'd go up to that store, there was a woman named Doris, who was an elderly woman who lived near there, that I would drive over and I would stop in and see her. Now, she always made it very attractive for me to stop in and see her because she also always kept a bowl of M&Ms for me because she knew I liked M&Ms. So anytime I'd knock on the door, she'd invite me in, I'd sit down and talk, and she'd give me my M&Ms. On this particular day, I felt this overwhelming desire to go visit Doris. It just hit me. I should just drive in and go see her. I did what any good self-respecting, swept the spirit Christian would do. I stayed in my car, and I drove right past the turnoff and kept thinking to myself, I should drive over and see Doris. But nah, no, I just went home. Later that afternoon, I got a call from her sister, or I mean from her daughter, that Doris had gone outside, had twisted her ankle, and had fallen in the morning in front of her house. Do you think maybe God was nudging me and urging me to say, listen and be attentive and go visit this elderly woman? And I took from that experience that I need to be attentive to those moments in my life. I don't do it perfectly, and none of us will. But when we become attentive to God is active in our life, when we start realizing God's speaking to us and we start acting on it, we start realizing that it makes a difference in our life, and that's what happened to Peter. When the urging came to him to say, you need to see things differently, and lo and behold, just at that moment, as he starts realizing, you know, I think God's doing something different, and God wants me to realize that I no longer need to be closed and only work with a particular group of people, that the gospel and God's love needs to be extended to everyone, and lo and behold, right at that moment, a guy who's a Roman centurion just happens to show up at his house. Peter doesn't dismiss it. He changes his life in the course of the Christian world. So my challenge today to us is let's quit eating two foods of the banana. Let's realize that what's inside matters, but we need to do the legwork. It is important for us to be prayerful and making the decisions in our life to choose to pursue a godly life. Let's also realize in doing that that it does matter what we're hungering and thirsting for. And if our lives are not focused on having spiritual nourishment, God cannot be present in doing the work He wants to do in our life. But then let's remember the last thing. The Holy Spirit is as present in your life as He was in Peter's life. The Holy Spirit has as much nudging and urging for you as He did for the Apostle Paul. It is incumbent on us to be open to that, to be sensitive to that, and to be responding to that. Because when we start discovering that the Holy Spirit is speaking to us, we start discovering what God wants us to do in our lives. So today, as we pray, we're going to pray our prayer, not to the Father or to the Son, but to the Holy Spirit. And I invite you this week to be praying that way. 
change your prayer. Don't pray, gracious God or Heavenly Father. Pray, Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, speak to us. Help us to be open to your work in our lives. Help us to understand that you are present and you are calling us and nudging us and urging us every day. Help us see the things you have for us to hear. Help us understand that you have purposes and plans for us every single day. And in our turning our life and our will over to you, Holy Spirit, help us realize and know that you are present and we pray for a breakthrough in our lives. In your name we pray. Amen.